other. And that's a lot of what the chapter 13 of Hebrews does. Uh, similar to 1 Thessalonians, when it winds down that book, chapter 5, it's like this subject, this subject, this subject, just back and forth. And you almost feel like you're being given a left, right, left, right, left, right from the Lord. It's like, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. And it's just like one thing after another. And that's a little bit of what we're going to be seeing in verses 1 and Two. So let's go ahead and read those two verses. Chapter 13 of Hebrews. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Father, we look at your word tonight. It's always a precious thing to be able to open and to read it, to study it, to learn from it. Spirit of God, we always need your help every time we enter into the word. So, Lord, illuminate to our hearts and our minds the meaning of your word, how to apply it to our lives, and help us, Lord, to be better Christians as a result of it. Thank you, Father, for what you will accomplish in our hearts. Again, we pray for the business meeting that follows, that you will bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So, after this first verse, you can go to work tomorrow, and you can say, yeah... I learned a whole verse in Greek last night. No, seriously, you're going to be able to do this after we're done. Because the first verse literally is two Greek words. So you can say, I, I learned a whole, a whole verse in Greek. And you feel good about yourself, okay? So two words. Meno is the second one. M-E-N-O, meno. You can say that, right? Meno, very, very easy one. And the, and the first one... Uh, there's, you know, a lot of cities, you know, we, we get to know their names, but very seldom do we get to know altogether the meaning of them. But this one you know, and it is the city of brotherly love, which is Philadelphia Menno. That's it. That's this first verse in the Greek. So, Philadelphia Menno. So, let brotherly love, that's the Philadelphia, continue. Meno. So those two Greek words, let me explain both of them. The word meno, I'll deal with that one. The second word, the word continue, uh, is, is God's trying to describe to the church here some words of encouragement. It's neat for once that God is not saying, start having brotherly love. Instead he's saying, let it remain. Keep it up. Don't stop. Carry, stay, remain, that's the word there. Don't let what you have going stop. So, it's neat. So, as I'm visiting with some people today, I've been coming out for about a month. Uh, One of the first things they said is they began coming into the church here. Uh, Had nothing to do with me. Had nothing to do with the music. Had nothing to do with how we did things. It had to do with you guys. And how you actually communicated with them and talked to them. And they saw how we talked with each other. That's what they were looking for. In other words, do you actually get along as a church? Isn't that deep? But isn't it amazing how really deep it is when those who are Christian coming in, and they are, to understand what is a church supposed to have? What is it supposed to be like? Now, please follow me. We love the world. God loved the world. 
that he gave his only son, only begotten son. We understand that. And we are also called, as Paul even talked about, how he is indebted, not just to the church, but to all the lost. He's indebted to share the gospel with them. And there is a love that we are to have for the lost. But this is that Philadelphia, that brotherly love, that those of us who are of a like faith, we look at the Word, and we believe we're, we're uh, uh, going down the, the same path, if you will, and there is a, a union that takes place amongst ourselves. And those of you who have traveled, those who just went to Haiti, you go there and you meet people that you have never met before, you may not even see them again on this side of heaven, and yet you're there and you're singing and you're worshiping and you're into the Word, you're listening to somebody, you're sharing, and they're amening you or you're amening them and it's all a blend and it's like it's amazing how the word of god unifies the christians even ephesians 4 talks about endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith the the what the spirit of god has has given unifies uh you and i and that's where we talk about this let brotherly love continue so, uh, this, for once again, is not a rebuke for them because of a lack of brotherly love, but it is a warning to them to don't let it stop. Let it continue. Guard it. This love is a brotherly love. Look with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses you're familiar with, I'm sure. Verse number 35. Actually, uh, verse 34 definitely needs to be read along with it. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So we're learning that we learn how to love because and through the way Jesus loves us, and therefore we love him, and then we love one another also. By this, that is, by this kind of love, verse 35, all, and talk about mankind, all the world even, will know that you are my disciples if, if this is the contingency, that you have love one to another. And that's what we're talking about. Um, it's, it's not a facade. It is not something that we walk here, we, we, we express that love to each other, we walk out, and that's the end of it. What I love is going different places and finding out who has been hanging out together, getting something to eat, going to each other's houses, doing things, meeting once a week, discipleship, you keep on continuing. Just the list goes on with how the, the, you are interacting with each other. And this is saying to you, don't stop. Can we always improve on it? The answer is always. But, you know, as your pastor, I can say that the majority of people do come in saying there's a good spirit amongst each other. But, there's one thing i gotta, I got to talk to us about. And it may pertain to you, and it may not pertain to you, but I'm going to say something. We have had numerous occasions, not a few, numerous occasions where visitors are coming in and sitting down, and this is not being made up. They come in and sit down in a pew, and somebody who is a regular here 
literally goes to the visitor and says, that's my seat, you need to move. Numerous, numerous times. What in the world are, are people thinking? My wife had to consult a visitor. It happened to her two times by two different people in our church on a Sunday morning. Because she thought that vacancy was there and she moved to another place and they moved her from there too. She's crying. My wife found her. She said, get back here. And so we tried to pray with her and encourage her a little bit. Um, the uh, Peacocks, Jim and Lynette, were one of them. Uh, the first time they visited here, somebody said, you're in our seats, you need to move. And they were literally walking out the door when somebody stopped them and said, hey, you're visiting for the first time, you want to sit with us? And they stayed. So if you see anybody doing that, please don't tell me their names. Okay? Um, I do not know anybody. You might be here and you've done that and you say, well, that's my seat. I paid for it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. It doesn't belong to you. It's like for all of us. Okay? I, I sometimes go over here and sometimes I'm over there getting ready to sing with John here and over there with my wife and we're allowed to move around. Um, and I know that it's comfortable to say I've been dusting this pew for 50 years or whatever it is and that we're glad. But to interrupt... What God might be doing in somebody's life of an unsaved person coming into the church and you say, hey, that's my seat. They're probably going to walk out of here saying, that's church? That's Christianity? I want nothing to do with it. Shame on you. Shame on you. That's, that, I'm like, that is about as carnal and fleshly as it gets. Anyways, if you wonder what I really feel about it, <laughs> just give me a call. <laughs> Sometimes I, uh, I feel like I'm spinning the wheels. It's like, wait a minute, we're supposed to love each other, we're supposed to love the world, so don't sit in my pew though. Right. Give me a break. So if you, you know somebody that that has issue with that, you just sit down with them and just pray with them and say, you know, it wouldn't be nice if maybe you said, hey, can I sit beside you? You're only like that close to where you normally sit. The sound might be a little different, the lighting might be a little different, but not real bad. <sighs> I feel better now. <clears throat> Verse 2. Be not forgetful, to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Um, neat verse. Uh, this probably, to many of you, you know this verse, you've heard it taught before, and I may not be teaching you anything new uh, that you don't already know. But we'll break this down into these given words that God gives us, and then we're going to see some examples. And, and you, the first question you might have is that when it talks about angels there in this particular verse, is there any way of knowing whether, like the Revelation, it talks about the angels to the church? You know, many believe that that would be called talking about the messengers, the, the, those who are leading the pastors to the church. And, uh, and most times, though, in the Scriptures, when you see angels, 
angels, it means literally the angels that God had created before the foundation of the world was because they were there worshiping and singing praise to the foundation when it was there. Job talks about that. Um, I have no reason to believe that this is talking about human beings. I think there is something... In other words, if it were to read this... um, Make sure that you are remembering when you're entertaining somebody that you don't know that you might actually be talking to a human being. See how that wouldn't really make a lot of sense? It, but it does talk about entertaining or being hospitable to somebody who is a messenger, particularly from God, and, and an angel, and you didn't know it was an angel. And that's how I hold to this text. I was talking to uh, one of our missionaries this uh, last week, and they talked about an event that they said it was absolutely amazing. I have no idea where the guy came from. He gave me the message. They left, and that was it. And what message they gave was true, but they shouldn't have known it. It was like, this is really neat. And, and he said, you know, the only thing I would have wished I would have done, if I would have known he was an angel, can you come over here and sit down and talk with me just for a little while, you know? It's like, I really like to pick your brain about some things, you know? But it seems to be that's the case that those of us who have had that opportunity, many times it is uh, without knowledge, and yet I want to be teaching you tonight, but there's a message off times with it, and it could be that it's a challenge to us in our faith. But that, that is a side note. Let me explain. I was on top of the mountain, our first church, Loganton. And if you take 8090 and go into Pennsylvania, one of the highest points in Pennsylvania, that's where we were at. Um, uh, there was a suicide road right there coming off 80. Oftentimes we would get ice and snow when nobody else did. All kinds of, all kinds of wrecks up there. But we're on top of Clinton County. And we would always get people on their way from New York going to California. And the broke down car with no money, but they're going to California. Okay? We call that really good planning. Okay? <laughs> to leave New York with no money and a broke down car heading with no money. So they stopped church to church. But there was this one couple. And it was, a, remember those old station wagons? that had paneling on the side of them. Remember those things? They were like tanks, you know. I don't think they rusted out. Maybe the paneling held, held it together. I don't know. But they had it stacked full of luggage on top. There was only enough room for the two of them, and everything else was full. When they got out of the vehicle and came to me, the smell was there, and they looked at us, and they, of course, you start talking about the Lord, and, and you know, they, they knew all of the, the right answers, and there again, they didn't ask for a lot. It was, they asked for $7. They needed to go to a pharmacy because he had a physical problem, and um, they needed that to be taken care of. And after talking with them at length, and they pulled away, it was one of those times where I stopped and thought, hmm. It was just one of those communication as we talked that you thought this was not a normal conversation. This went beyond the normal. These 
times where we may stop and question who is it that we are being in con- we are in contact with and that we do not know them god gives you and i a challenge the first part of it is in verse number 2 is be not forgetful uh to forget or to neglect will be another way of saying it don't neglect to be hospitable or to entertain strangers and that's done throughout the scriptures you remember how we use the illustration of times of Abraham and he and Sarah are getting to go into this town and he's like tell me you're my sister because we go in there and you may find out you're my wife they're going to kill me and take you anyway so let's keep my life self-preservation here and uh, tell them we're, we're you know siblings and that way they don't kill me I get to live they might do something bad to you but that's okay I get to live <laughs> loving husband and so they do and of course you know the story and Isaac does the same thing like father like son and uh, so it seems that those who in these foreign lands uh, when they as a stranger came in they had no rights and many th- times negative things could happen to them well, God says later on, after the exodus to Israel, because they were in Egypt and they were the strangers. And God says, remember when you were in Egypt, how they put you into slavery? And they abused you, and then I brought you out? Well, you're going to go into a land and you're going to possess it. And what I want you to do is the opposite of what the world did to you. I want you to take care of strangers foreigners that are coming into Jerusalem, I want you to feed them. I want you to take the corners of your fields and leave them for those who are widows, those who are strangers, those who are orphans. They have the rights to be able to come in and to be able to glean and to receive food. You minister to them. You judge them rightly because if you don't judge them, the poor, rightly, I'm going to judge you. Proverbs is full of how to take care of those who are poor. Strangers will be included with that. Give them rights. And so we are told also now in the New Testament, by the way, many times, Romans 12, 1 Timothy 3, here's another classic place where God over and over again says, listen, there's going to be people that you don't know that I'm watching how you minister to them. My mom went on a trip with um, uh, some relatives. It was actually her brother and, and wife. And uh, my dad and her went along, and they were all on this big RV, and, you know, supposed to have a great time. And there were some other uh, family members, too. She said, you know, my mom and dad were real quiet people. You know, they kind of stuck to themselves, enjoyed people, you know, very, very simple people. And this relative, they just got mean as hornets on this road trip. They were literally rolling windows down in the RV, yelling at strangers and cursing them going down the road, in the restaurants, everywhere they went, they were so rude to people, making fun of them. The list goes on. And she said, we're never going with them again. It was absolutely horrible to see how they treated people that they didn't know. Now, why would we treat people that we don't know so rudely, so cruelly? Makes no sense. By the way, the one was a very religious person. Okay? Matter of fact, a Jehovah's Witness. Very loyal. Mom was one of the 144,000. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be in there as one of the kings. Ah, no, nah, it works. Anyways. And you look at this and you say, why? 
And so now God talks to you and I, the church, and what he is telling you and I is, we have to be careful in our actions towards people. Because it's possible that that stranger that you just disrespected, that you just treated rudely, what if it were a messenger from God? What if it were an angelic being that God was sending your way to give you some information to help you along life's journey, and you just did something cruel to them? Sorry, Lord, this one's messed up. (laughs) Just walk away. So we are to be careful, and the word to entertain is also to be a host. It's as though you would look at them and see that they might have a need, and you say, why don't you come into my house? Let me give you a meal. Let me take care of you. And that's that thought that it is possible that to be hidden or without knowledge, unknowingly, you could actually be there with a stranger who is actually a messenger that has come from God, not just a human being, but an angel that has come. You say, that just can't happen. Well, let's, let's, let's just check our faith out. Because... God says this in the New Testament, and it was done over and over again, both Old and New Testament. Remember Peter in jail? Angel comes. He thinks he's in a dream. Oh, this is a nice dream. I'm getting out of jail. (laughs) And here you go through these doors, and they're unlocked, and he finds himself out in the street, and it's like, this, let me pinch myself, this is not a dream. I'm out of jail. The list goes on. But let me take a couple minutes and look at some from the Old Testament. Would you look with me to the book of Genesis and chapter 18? Verse 1, Genesis 18:1. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of memory, sat down at the tent door, the heat of the day. Lifted up his eyes, looked, and lo, notice this, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, bowed himself toward the ground, and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray thee, be fetched. Wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread. Come for ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on, For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. Well, Abraham hastened to the tent of Sarah and said, Make ready, quickly, three measures of fine meal. Knead it, make cakes upon the hearth. So get the flour out, honey. Get three portions together. We got three men, and let's make some bread for them. Well, Abraham ran to the herd, fetched a calf tender, good, gave it unto a young man, he hasted to dress it, so he's getting um, uh, uh, actual meat prepared for them. He took butter, milk, calf which he had dressed, set it before them, stood by them under the tree, and they did eat, all three of these, who we know are angels. You follow me? Usually we don't think of angels eating bread and meat and so forth. Here they are dining. They appeared to have the absolute appearance of men. And he didn't understand who they were to this point. I want you to notice how far he went to take care of these men that he didn't know. That he might not even see ever again. And that he took the time 
to take food that would be for his family and gave it to them. By faith, he was taking care of them. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? Right there I would be thinking, how did you know this? And he said, behold, in the tent, so it would have been a hidden place back in where she would have been. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. Oh. Now think about what is being said here. And Sarah heard tent door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she was so old, she did not go through the normal cycles to be able to get pregnant. And therefore, as a result of this, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being all old also. So here she begins to laugh. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore? Now, wait a minute. I thought there were angels here. Now all of a sudden we see, as we've been learning on Wednesdays, God's talking. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So Jehovah says, Shall I, and, and of course, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I surely bear a child which am old? Now notice what he says. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is, At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid, and she said, Nay, but thou didst, nay, he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And right there, you know, Abraham's going to her and saying, Why'd you laugh? But if you go back to chapter 17 and verse 17, guess who fell on the ground laughing with the exact same message? Abraham. Some have said, well, when he did it, it was like, wow, this is awesome. I can't believe this. And he fell down believing. And it's almost like we beat Sarah up because she laughed. It's like, I didn't mean to laugh. It just came out, you know. know." Well, let me help us all with this. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, remember we dealt with this? God actually said there that Sarah believed God, that the promise of the child was going to be there. Was her laughter there? Yep. Was she rebuked for it? Yes. But before we're too hard on dear Sarah, don't forget, God says she's in the heroes of the faith. With this whole situation of having a child and believing God ahead of time. You see, as these messengers were coming, they came by three Specifically talking about what God was saying to Abraham, Sarah also hearing. These messengers who came in, not altogether understanding fully what was going on, um, were men that were giving a message. Verse 22, they men turned their faces from thence. And notice where they went. They went towards Sodom. Abram stood yet before the Lord. They gave the message about how Sodom and Gomorrah were going to be destroyed. And it is after here where where Abraham begins to plead and intercede for Lot, knowing he's there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he goes through, will you kill him if there's 50 righteous? If there's that, yep. How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? And he breaks it down until finally he says, if there's anybody in there righteous, I'm not going to kill it. And so look at chapter 19, verse 1. And there came two angels, 
to Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that kind of interesting? Went from three to two. Some have supposed that these three left and two ended up going in. And I don't know if this is true. This is just man's ideas of, of walking through this. And this is, this is not my idea. This is something I read. Is that three came to Abraham. One gave primarily the message to Abraham. Done. Now two are going into Sodom and Gomorrah. One was giving the, the message to Sodom. You're going to die. And then the last was to deliver uh, Lot out. So the different positions, jobs, they all were brought forth for, for a task. But nonetheless, these two men come in, Lot seeing them, and we know this story. First thing he does is, hi, uh, what are you doing out in the street here? Ah, come into my house. Oh, we'll just, no, please, you need to come into my house. Isn't it interesting? He took them into his own home, showing this hospitality to people he didn't even know, thought. He didn't even realize he was entertaining these men who are strangers and yet not knowing angelic beings that are about ready to destroy all the people, the neighbors, everybody he knows. And so they're coming with a message. Of course, you know that it's evident that there are angels whenever the men are pounding on the door to to rape these two, what they feel are men, and they're angels. And then, sure enough, uh, they bring blindness to these men, and, and yet these men are trying to reach for the door and sure enough, as they are getting out of, of the city, uh, God rains down this fire and destroys, you can see in verse 24 of chapter 19, um, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Of course, this is a text where Lot's wife does look back and becomes that pillar of salt. Angels. Judges gives another, for instance, and I'll... We don't have time to get to that one. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, there's a man, Manoah, and his wife. Uh, she has, has been barren also. And uh, an angel comes and begins to talk to her, leaves. And, and Manoah begins to beg God, please, Lord, bring this guy back again. And he does. Well, it ends up being a messenger. And the message is, you are going to have a baby. You're going to have a son. And he's going to be the great judge for Israel. And he goes through her diet. It goes through what the son was permitted to eat. And goes through this whole list of this one who was separated for a specific cause. For God had ordained him to be that. And there again, what you're seeing a rhythm of is this. When, when there is an angel coming, it is not just to scare us. It is not to just say, well, that might have been an angel. But they actually come with a message in the Scriptures. They're not just coming to show up. They're coming for a purpose. The first purpose that we saw was to give information about a, a child that was going to be born. The second one then, in chapter 19, the messengers were coming to deliver somebody and to kill, to destroy to warn, if you will, I should say, that destruction from God was going to be happening. You also see in the New Testament, especially in the Revelation, that these, the angels of God, are the ones that do pour out the vials upon the earth, bringing God's wrath and judgment upon the earth during the tribulation time period. So when we take Hollywood's view of angelic beings, of these little 
guys and girls that float around half naked with little wings and halo and strum harps. Uh, that's not accurate. Not even in the ballpark. Uh, Wednesday nights, we're going to take a couple weeks probably and, and do a study on angels, so I'm not going to give you all the points tonight or else I won't be able to preach it then. So you have to come back for more, I guess, there. But these angelic beings are very powerful. Matter of fact, their abilities are much greater than ours, as we've seen in these texts, blinding people, etc. And these creations of, of, of God are that which is powerful, and they have a specific purpose. So God says to you and I, make sure when you meet somebody, you treat them right. Treat them with hospitality. Do good. Matter of fact, it would be even good to give them the gospel. And then God says that it is possible that that one that you were just taking care of could possibly have been an angel. You know, we think about the gifts that God gives us. Many will say that they feel that they have that gift of hospitality. And it's a special, special gift that especially many ladies seem to have. They have that knack of when you go into the house, everything is calm. The bread smells better. The coffee smells better. It's just that atmosphere. Everybody's relaxed. And it's just, it's just they got it. And you, it's like you don't even want to leave because it's so comfortable. It's there, that gift of hospitality. And that is to be extended not just to the brethren, as verse 1 talks about, but is also to strangers. And so God begins to take the whole gamut of mankind and puts it right in our laps as individuals to say, let's take care of the brethren, let's love the way we should, and let's be hospitable to people that we don't know also because we possibly are taking care of a messenger that's come from God. Pretty neat stuff, huh? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time. Bless and use it for your glory and your honor. And Lord, teach us not just to know, but to live the Christian life as you have been teaching us. Forgive us, Father, where we fail you. Even as a church, there are times, Lord, that we can become very selfish in our ambitions. And I pray that you will forgive us when we do. Help us, Lord, not uh, to be selfish. Help us to, to die to self and live the resurrected life. Lord, I pray that you will help us as we uh, pause now and have a brief invitation. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for this time. It's yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.